0: Well, it is Thursday in Starkville, and it is just one day away. Baseball season is finally here again. I'm Charlie Winfield. Bart Gregory here with me, and this is our Tracks Plus Deep Dig as we take a dive into Mississippi State and Long Beach State here opening weekend at Duty Noble Field. Bart, first time Long Beach State has been here. And we're going to get to break it all down here in our Farm Bureau studios. Farm Bureau agents in all 82 counties. You can go with the home team, or as our friend Matt Wyatt says, go with the home team.
1: <laughs> it was go.
0: He, he lives for that.
1: Hey, by the way, Matt had a great look back at last year. And I think one of the reasons that I say it was a really good YouTube video is you and I were in it. I'm trying to figure out who was the most photogenic. Was it you? Was it me? Was it Brandon Walker? I'm th- not sure that's a race any
0: of us are going
1: to win. I thought the camera added about a couple dozen pounds to me. That's
0: what I'm hoping for me.
1: May have been the lighting. May have been the angle. I think it was the angle. We need to talk to Mister White about his video capabilities.
0: Yeah, but that, that was a great video, by the way, and I enjoyed. Kind of that was a. Kind of a really good piece to look back on last season, kind of get you ready for this one. Matt does a good job with his videos, by the way.
1: Yeah, he really does. I hate to give him too much credit because we give him such a hard time, and I kind of like that shtick of giving Matt a hard time. But he does a really good job with that video stuff. So that was good stuff. But like you said, a lot of the stuff that he does is for Farm Bureau. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. A lot of great videos that he does with that group.
0: Yeah, and so if you're in the market for insurance or maybe you just haven't looked around in a while, go to favorites.com. See what you can do with Farm Bureau. But if you were with us in football season, you know the the deal. We try to get together before that Saturday game. We usually get together on a Friday, and we try to break it down, get into some of the numbers, and kind of be a little bit of stats dorks at times. And if ever there was a sport that was made for stats dorks, for guys who like obscure numbers, it's baseball. So kind of feel right at home here talking these things but Bart before we get into numbers let's just talk about who we're playing this weekend you know this is just the fifth time Mississippi State will have played a baseball game against Long Beach State they'd never been here we played them in Tallahassee one game in a regional the
1: Jay Powell game
0: and then we went out there two years ago in the COVID shortened year and didn't go well but yeah that Jay Powell game that's one that uh Man, we could get Jay's blood pressure up right now going back through that one. And
1: that's, the, that's the thing about Jay. is It's so funny to talk to him about it. It's because, okay, bases were loaded, two outs. Was it bottom of the ninth? We're playing Long Beach State. Elimination game. We're in Tallahassee in the NCAA regional. Notre Dame had just wiped the field with us the first game. So we're in an elimination game with Long Beach. And Jay throws one right down the pipe. I'm talking about right down the middle and a guy caught it a ball long beach state walks it off on a bases loaded walk and to this day that was in 1993 was it right yeah 1993 yeah, so it's been a long time ago and you could still get jay powell riled up about that home plate umpire
0: no he certainly can in fact we did that on one of our original out of left field shows just a couple years ago one of our first shows we talked to jay about that as we were getting set for the season in fact we talked about it as the weekend. Mississippi State was headed out to Long Beach, and we played out there two years ago. We dropped two out of three, and we thought we had a pretty good team that year. Look, Long Beach State is a good baseball program.
1: Yeah, they really are, and i tell you this too, Charlie. If you were to poll college baseball coaches, all 300 around the country, and say, I'm looking for a blue-collar program, they would have a high percentage of all those 300 coaches that would put Long Beach State in their top 10. They go by the Dirtbags. Now the the original school mascot for so long was 49ers and it still is 49ers for their other sports. But they changed their name to Dirtbags and it kind of goes back to Dave Snow and it's kind of interesting, you know, for for us growing up around baseball, it seemed like Long Beach State was in the College World Series every year. You start thinking about guys like Jason Giambi and Steve Traxel, who pitched with the Cubs, and Jared Weaver, who was a big-time pitcher out there, was a Golden Spikes Award winner, and just so many great players. Evan Longoria played at Long Beach State. Tulewitzki. Troy Tulowitzki played there. But it seemed like they were in Omaha just about every year when we were growing up. But it's amazing, the last time they've been to Omaha – Was 1998, so it's been a long time. We were there as well in 1998, so that's the last time they've been to the College World Series.
0: You know, it's that '89 team for Long Beach State that kind of put them on the map, and that that's what really brought them into being the Dirtbags. Dave Snow was a first-year coach. How about this? Is quite a story. So Dave Snow comes in in '89, takes over a team that was 14 and 45. In their league, they were four and seventeen, and he comes in. They embrace this kind of. They basically said he recruited a lot of guys that got overlooked because he had to, because anybody, anybody recognized wasn't coming there, and got a great deal. The infield coach used to take his guys out to a pony league field, little league field that was all dirt that he called like dirt field, dirt bag field, and they would go out there and just play in the dirt, and they embraced that hard nose. Tough, just dig it out kind of team. And they go 50 and 15, and they flip their record in the league from 4 and 17 to 17 and 4. Win the league and go to the College World Series. And, you know, Dave Snow had a, a really good run out there, basically finishing in the top three of the league every year, making regionals. I think he made it to the College World Series, what, three times his first five years, and then made it. They've actually made the college uh, World Series semifinals in 98. So th- this has been a team that's uh, a program that's been around.
1: Yeah, it has. And, you know, they, they fell off. And, and they were not – you know, they were just not as good. The Big West with Cal State Fullerton kind of rose up out there. Then Dave Serrano came in with Irvine. And you had some other programs out there. But now if you start talking to baseball people – They'll tell you the Big West may be as good this year as it's been in a long, long time. You know, Fullerton has kind of stepped back a little bit. Polly's got maybe the best player in the country this year. The Big West is a conference that's going to be solid. And this is the team that is picked to win the Big West. They've got some great pieces back to the puzzle, but one of the reasons that people think so highly of them this year, is their starting pitching. They've got some guys coming back in their offense, but pitching wise they should be really good. And it and it goes back to the point, Charlie, is this is just a grinded out type of team. This ain't UCLA coming in here. This ain't USC coming in here. This ain't country club boys coming in here. These are guys that relish in the moment of stepping between the lines and want to cut your throat, and I love that. Well, and
0: here's – and it's not like the the two-lane fake stuff. I mean, these these guys are real dirtbags.
1: Yeah, you don't have some little little guy, a little pitcher over there, you know, yelling out and, you know, little worm yelling and going crazy. These guys back it up.
0: No, and so my, my favorite thing, too, you know, Eric Valenzuela is the coach. He had been at St. Mary's, and they bring him over a couple of years ago, actually in 20 in that COVID-shortened year. And uh, Valenzuela actually played at Arizona State and then Pepperdine. He had coached at St. Mary's, and in his six seasons there, he basically had – this program, by the way, it only had two winning seasons ever when he took it over, and they actually go to the postseason twice in his time there, win 30 games for the four consecutive years – and when he's hired, this is uh, this is the beautiful thing. He says, "I'm not an alum. I get it. I do. But if you're talking about any one person that didn't go to Long Beach State that you could call a dirtbag, you're talking about me. And you start to say, well, why is Valenzuela a dirtbag?' I mean, this guy's dad trains Olympic boxers. Beautiful. I mean, his whole family. His. I mean, he he
1: fits. And look, he's a good coach." And this is really his first year. I mean, he had the COVID shortened year. They got off to a great start. They beat us two out of three. They were ranked in the top 15 in the country, and then COVID hit. And then last year, they had all the, they couldn't practice in the fall, couldn't practice before the season started. Their first game was against Hawaii. Hawaii had played 13 games before they could even play a game. They played on conference only schedule, only 43 games. And they were just late getting out there. all the, the COVID mandates in California and in, the, in that county, they just couldn't practice, they couldn't do anything. but they start they go 500 the first month,
0: but then they go like 15 and two to close it out at the end of the year.
1: And they had dug too big of a hole early on to get in the NCAA tournament. I mean, let me tell you this, and, and that's the bad thing. I mean, if you start looking at the, the grand scheme of things, they were no doubt. One of the top sixty-four teams in the country when the season ended last year, but they had dug themselves in too big of a hole just because they couldn't practice. I mean, so this year you got a top twenty-five team that ranked twenty-fourth in, in a couple of the polls there, and so I mean, this is a legitimate. This is a legitimate opener this weekend. There are two weekend series in the country that feature two teams ranked in the top 25. You've got this matchup with Mississippi State and Long Beach State, and then Oklahoma State and Vanderbilt are playing. So this is one of the marquee matchups in the country this week.
0: Yeah, so look, this is a program with some history. It's a program with a lot of good current players, and I guess we can transition and start talking about a little bit about this current team for Long Beach State. But before we do, Bart? This is, of course, brought to us by our good friends at Trax Plus. And our friends at Trax Plus, you know, they jumped on with us back during football season. And we decided what fits kind of a dig into the stats. It would be a Trax Plus deep dig. We did it during football. We're going to keep it going here during baseball.
1: Yeah, Tracks Plus four locations. They have the original in Hickory, Mississippi, right there on I twenty, the Hickory exit. They have another location between Starkville and Columbus on Highway eighty two, right there on the south side of the road, about halfway between here in Columbus on Highway eighty two. Then down in Summit, Mississippi, and then in Alexandria, Louisiana. Daniel Bounds and Fred Fulton over here in Columbus. They'll take care of any need that you have. Ken Crosby down in Hickory. Gresh Howell down in Summit. Then Hoop Williams is in Alexandria. They've got great barco equipment if you're looking to clear some fields or, or some forest and the, for the forester out there, that barco stuff. And then you've got Sany equipment for the excavators, any kind of dirt you want to move. But now in three of the four locations, in Hickory, and Summit, and in Alexandria, Louisiana. They're also a distributor for Massey Ferguson with Massey Ferguson tractors and farm equipment. And so it just keeps on getting bigger and better. Great customer service. They've tripled their service center down in Hickory. And Chris, Weim and, uh, Chris Williams and all those guys just do a great job. And so, Charlie, let's dig into some of these numbers right now for Long Beach State and Mississippi State.
0: All right, Bart, as we start to dig into this thing, I've always said the thing that can change a baseball game is the guy standing out there on the mound. So why don't we talk about starting rotations? And before we talk about the names of the guys, I think we have to know a couple of things about this weekend, starting pitching-wise. One, it's temporary. I mean, these guys aren't going to be out there eight innings. Here it's going to be cool. It's going to be windy. It's the opening week. And Tim Corbin's not coaching here.
1: No, he's not. Tim Corbin's not coaching here. Kevin Copps ain't walking through that door for Arkansas, for Dave Van Horn to throw him 98 pitches in cold weather. Paul Maneri ain't here for Jaden Hill to throw a bunch of pitches in cold weather. You know, it's it's funny. I was listening to, you know, Valenzuela earlier this week, and, and they were talking out west about how that you know they are going to have their guys on pitch count. And, of course, Chris Limonis, you know, we sh- we showed that all last year especially early in the season, about how our starting pitching is on a hard pitch count early. It kind of reminds me back to, say, 2012 when we had that piggyback action. You had Ben Bracewell starting and then Chris Stratton coming in in about the fourth or fifth inning. That's kind of how it's going to feel this weekend. I think you're going to see starters go four or five, and if they get quick action, possibly six innings at most. But that's the thing about it, Charlie. Just because you're named the starter – doesn't mean you're going to go really deep in in these games.
0: Yeah, so we look at the opening game. Friday ball game, Mississippi State sent Landon Sims out. No surprise there. And for the beach, as they're sometimes called, Luis Ramirez, right-handed pitcher. This is a guy who's been around. So, first of all, on Sims, we, we know a lot about Sims. I think that the issue for me is going to be this. Here's what I want to see from Landon Sims. What was it in uh, Bull Durham? Throw some ground balls or more Democratic? You know, whether Landon Sims is going to be a more Democratic starting pitcher.
1: Well, and when you look at this matchup, and I want to talk about Landon, is you see two guys who get it done right, but they do it in completely different ways.
0: Very different.
1: Landon Sims is a 95, 96-mile-an-hour electric fastball, high RPM. You look at the slider, it's a wipeout slider. It's two really good pitches. Now, he's been toying with a changeup here and there. Bednar pretty pretty much threw two pitches last year, and so we talked about that last Sunday, about or last week in the midweek, about how big we thought that was. To me, it's not that big about getting that third pitch. Luis Ramirez is a four-pitch guy with a fastball that tops out around 90 miles an hour. He's got a serviceable curveball, a pretty good changeup, His second best pitch, or maybe his best pitch, his plus plus, is a changeup. Last year in the Cape, this past summer, the Cape coaches, he pitched for Yarmouth. He was their number one guy in the Cape. They said he had the best changeup in the Cape Cod League. And so he keeps you off balance. That's what he does. He gets a lot of ground ball outs. And so it goes back to the point about Landon Sims. You know, you mentioned a moment ago about getting action. I think this is the team – that is almost perfect to do that early in the season. Last year, Long Beach State only walked 3.3 times per ball game. And if you put that in the SEC, that's about third or fourth from the bottom. So they don't walk a whole lot, but they don't strike out a whole lot either. 8.07 strikeouts per game, which would have put them second in the SEC behind Mississippi State. I mean, we were the only team under eight last year strikeouts per game in the league. We were really good at that. So what does that tell you? They put the ball in play. So on a cold day tomorrow, wind's going to be blowing in from left field. Just throw strikes. Just throw strikes. The way you get beat is putting a team like this on base.
0: Well, and that's kind of the key for Ramirez, too. You, You start to look at what he's done. Ramirez doesn't strike out a lot of guys just eight per nine innings, so less than a strikeout per inning. Doesn't walk a lot of guys. Here's the the number that just jumps off at you for Luis Ramirez. He gets twice as many ground ball outs as he does fly outs. His ground ball fly ball ratio or his fly ball ground ball ratio is 0.5, and that's That's up there.
1: And what did we say early in the year last year? You know, Grounding out to the second baseman. Oh, man, everybody was wearing us out. Everybody was texting us and tweeting (laughs) us and saying, how many ground balls can we hit to the second baseman?
0: You know, the second baseman deserves combat pay.
1: Oh, my goodness, man. And so he's the type of guy. You know, last year we were one of the few teams in the league that grounded out more than we flew out or fly it out, flew out. You could say it both ways. i say it both ways sometimes on a broadcast. Charlie, that's my down way way English. But anyway, don't make fun of me. I'm just saying this is a type of game where a guy who throws with sync with his fastball throws a changeup and keeps you off balance. You're going to do some swings off your front foot, and you may see some ground ball outs. You You may see some action out at the second baseman tomorrow.
0: I think overall this is going to be a team that has more lift for Mississippi State than we did a year ago. I don't know that you're going to see it tomorrow because Ramirez is a guy who just, look, he keeps it down. He tries to get you swing over the top of it. Um, you know, a couple of other things that jumped out at me about Ramirez and his numbers last year. He was basically the same versus lefties or righties, kind of in that 240, 250 range. He didn't do well with runners on base. Teams hit three twenty five against him with runners on base, only 190 with nobody on. The leadoff guy hit 382 against him.
1: I don't know why
0: that is.
1: Well, I was about to make the statement, okay, what that tells me is is a guy that doesn't feel comfortable throwing the four pitches out of the stretch. But then, all of a sudden, if you say that leadoff number. That and that's where it messes you up. That kind of baffles you a little bit because it's almost like an anomaly. But. I mean, he, he's a guy – they've got a good catcher behind the play. They control the running game well. He's just – I mean, he's a dude that's going to go out there and throw about 70 pitches. Hey, he shut us down two years ago. He pitched the Sunday game. If you look back – Seminaris, they had a right hander Seminaris that pitched against us on Friday night. We got one hit in that game. Tanner Leggett got the one hit. And then we came back and won what nine to nothing in the Saturday game. Mm -hmm. So we go to the Sunday game and we're like, okay, hey, we got the momentum of this. And they roll out Luis Ramirez and this guy completely shoves it. Gave up no runs, two hits and seven innings.
0: And you, you made the point a minute ago about controlling the running game. How about this? He only allowed four stolen bases in 11 attempts last year. I mean, and I, If you go back to the idea that I have that you steal as many off the pitcher as you do uh, off the catcher, maybe more. I mean, how many times? We, we always look at that stat for the catchers, but a whole bunch of times the catcher's got no chance by the time the ball gets to him. Um, Ramirez doesn't let teams just run on him.
1: And, okay, let's think about that. Let's go a little bit deeper in that thought conversation. On the West Coast, you see a lot of stolen bases because teams traditionally you see teams play more station to station ball. You see more bunting. You see a little bit more aggressiveness on the bases. And so to see just four stolen bases for a West Coast team, uh, that's that's pretty strong. When you're playing West Coast teams, of course, as we said, they only play conference games last year. So that that's a big stat. Of course, Burns behind the plate, man, he he's really really good. We may see the best two defensive catchers in the country. This weekend with Logan Tanner and Connor Burns.
0: Yeah, Burns' problem is he just can't hit.
1: Well, he only had one hit last year against left-handed pitching. He had one hit all season long against left-handed pitching. He only had 10 all year overall.
0: Yeah, so, well, you talk about having a guy. Now and then you can take some positions, whether it's catcher, whether it's shortstop, and you say, we're just going to put a guy in there because he can defend. Well, it's catcher for the beach.
1: Hey, and going back to our point and talking about Long Beach State overall and talking about Landon Sims and about, hey, just go out there and and pump strikes and, you know, whoever you back him up with, I think a big key in this game with both pitchers being on pitch counts is what happens in the sixth inning or what happens in the seventh inning and who has a lead going into the sixth and seventh. Because one of the things we haven't talked about, because you could see him in the first game, and that's Devro Harrison, who may be – one of the best, if not the best, closer in all of college baseball for Long Beach State. And when do they use him? Because if we're up 3-2 to two in the 6th or 7th inning, you're not going to see. him. If they're up 3-2 to two in the 7th inning, then all of a sudden, hey, does that barn door open? Well, we don't have a barn door down the right field side. Does he just step in from behind the dugout down the first base side? And Because Harrison is a show-enough, big-time right-hander.
0: Yeah, and I think we sometimes call him a closer, but – He is a guy who last year went four innings once. He went three innings several times. I think once he got his pitch count up over 75, but they did not hesitate at all to get his pitch count up into the 60s. Now, again, do you expect a guy like that to throw 80 pitches tomorrow? No,
1: of course not. But he might give you 60, and 60 may be enough to get you four innings. Sure could. And then, okay, let's look at the Saturday game. Did it surprise you with – Landon Sims, of course, that was not a surprise. But then Saturday, Sunday, Chris Lamona said earlier today, Casey Hunt will pitch on Saturday, then Cade Smith will go on Sunday. Did that surprise you at all?
0: I think the only thing maybe was the order of the two. I kind of had it in my mind that Cade Smith would be the Saturday guy. But I don't know that you can read a whole lot into who goes first, who goes second. I think what you see is those are the two guys that kind of jumped out there and had the best fall and spring. I did, though, kind of think that Casey Hunt may be a back-end guy. But in thinking that, here, here's where I was wrong in, in that analysis. Um, Chris Lamonis isn't a guy who pitches with a major league-type closer all the time. He doesn't feel compelled to do that. We didn't have that last year with Sims.
1: No, and we'd see him one time on the weekend. And that was it. So then all of a sudden the question becomes who's your closer I mean how much when are you going to see Preston Johnson is he the back- end guy for Landon Sims here's what's crazy we got a lot of right-handed options both these teams are heavily right-handed we'll talk a little bit about that later on okay so let's look at Casey hunt all right the guy throws four pitches pitched primarily in really all in relief last year didn't pitch a whole lot he kind of kind of he kind of got caught in that quagmire of the quote-unquote depth issue that we had last year. There were so many times that Casey Hunt, the only action that he got was after not pitching for a week and a half, just running through on a Tuesday night and getting an inning of work. We would throw on those Tuesday, Wednesday, midweek games, and we'd have a bullpen session essentially with, you know, nine guys throwing one inning apiece. And it seemed like Casey Hunt was one of those guys.
0: Well, that's exactly what he was. He had 14 appearances last year. In 15 innings pitched. He threw exactly one inning 13 times, and then against Vanderbilt in the World Series, he threw two.
1: And in that game, we were just trying to get out of the yard. Yeah, we were just
0: trying to get there to tomorrow.
1: Yeah. So then you look at Marquez Johnson, who's going to start for Long Beach State in that game. Kind of similar, right? Very similar. He threw nine games last year, 13 innings. Didn't start. Did not start a game. This will be his first collegiate start Saturday on that Mounted Duty Noble. Now, it's going to be cold tomorrow. It's going to be chilly. Temperature around 50 degrees, wind blowing in out of the north. The wind's going to be blowing in out of the north again on Saturday. It's not going to be crazy uncomfortable, even though tomorrow you better have about three pair of socks on and a heavy coat because that's what I'm going to have in the booth. And, Charlie, no, you cannot, you cannot borrow my blanket. I want I have never used a blanket before until last year. I don't know what it was. And I brought a blanket, and I, I mean, I know it's blue, and that's okay. It's a, like a light blue, but nobody sees me. But that is the powder one. Powder
0: blue, dare we say? Yes,
1: yeah, it's powder blue. But I will say this. That makes me it. so warm sitting in that broadcast booth Weird. under the blanket.
0: Closet rebel.
1: No, and you made fun of me. No, I'm not one of those. That powder blue junk. Copying every and here you are yeah.
0: bringing your powder blue blanket, but in any event, Marquez Johnson, not a lot on him from last year because he just didn't do that much. Um, you know, teams didn't hit that well against him, but he wasn't pitching. Now, look, the one thing you can say about whatever pitches somebody through for Long Beach last year, they were meaningful because they were all conference games. I mean, you might have been getting blown out, but nobody was getting a midweek against a, a particularly weak opponent. No, they were, they were not. And so, you, you come in, you look at Johnson, but here's the other thing. Very similar in this regard to Ramirez. He is a guy that got more ground outs than fly outs. Only allowed one hit to a left-hander. So, again, I think it's an interesting matchup on Saturday because this is two guys last year combined to throw 28 innings. And, you know, the phrase that kept coming up last year uh, was the dude effect. They even have that on their rings. And you wonder for a guy like Johnson.
1: If that could affect him. If, you know, there are some guys who relish it. And we talk, talk about this sometimes. And how many, For so many years, how many Saturday Super Bowl weekend games did we lose? Because it seemed like every single year, it was almost like you brought the best out of the opposing team. And some teams wilted it. I thought, I thought it got to Tulane a little bit last year in their bullpen. I thought it got to Kent State. Uh, one one or two once or twice. Of course, it got to to Ole Miss in that Sunday game. Big and time. It
0: sure didn't get to him on Saturday.
1: But I, that's the point I was going to make. If you've got a guy out there who is a blue collar, I'm going to shove it in your face type guy like a Doug Nacasi. Sometimes guys like that relish in the big moment. To me, that's a Luis Ramirez. To me, that's a Devereaux Harrison. But then you ask the question. Could that dude effect take hold with a Marquez Johnson? Or then the Sunday starter, Warren Watts, Jordan Watts, Warren Watts. Watts Brown. Watts Brown. We have not seen a pronunciation guide, and hopefully we'll get one before the broadcast tomorrow. So you could see that as the weekend goes on. But, hey, let me tell you, some of these guys, we talk about that blue-collar mentality, that type of thought process when you're playing the game of baseball, when you go out between the lines and you try to, you know, be aggressive and you have a tough, hard mentality, sometimes you relish in the moments that you'll have. And, hey, let me tell you this too. How many times have we started a season where we've said, man, i tell you what, we got the advantage because this team at Youngstown State hadn't been able to get outside yet. Let me tell you, Saldivar, the second baseman, Mario, the shortstop for Long Beach State, they've been taking ground balls and shorts for the last two months, for yeah, the last six right. months. It's been unseasonably cold and wet here in the spring. And I know we got a really good infield. I like Jaeger at second. I love Forsyth at shortstop. Cam James at third. Luke Hancock at first. But they have not been able to get the outside presence that Long Beach State has been able to get.
0: No, certainly not consistently the way they have. And so, but then, look, man, You cannot replicate what it's going to be like. They don't have a facility that prepares you for standing on the mound at Duty Noble Field. And I'd be interested to see what the crowds are. But I think Saturday and Sunday, we got a chance to have some pretty good crowds in there. Not super Bulldog weekend crowds, but good crowds. Yeah, there's a lot of – People want to get back out there.
1: Yeah, I've had a lot of folks asking about tickets, a lot of folks asking about parking – and, of course, parking's been an interesting dilemma this year. They're moving that road behind right field. But that's another story for another day.
0: So I- let's go to Sunday. Let's talk about the pitching matchup. Let's do that. So you mentioned him, Warren Watts-Brown. Now, this is a guy who fits the, he fits the picture for the beach. Um, this was a guy who was player of the year in his region in football in high school. High school quarterback. Co-player of the year in basketball. And he actually got hurt. Had a shoulder injury, so he misses baseball. Doesn't pitch last year. He was originally committed to Texas Tech way back when. And so here he is, a red shirt freshman, 6'3", This would be the first time he's taken the mound, Two period. Years. Yeah,
1: yeah. Hanford, California. In Hanford, I think that's the Fresno area. So he's kind of a valley guy. I mean, so that, Yeah, I mean, he is in the valley. So he, he is a he's a blue collar dude. And so quarterback on high school football team didn't pitch last year. Hey, he's electric. 95, 96, got his feet up under him a little bit, can really throw it. And so, you know, you're going to see electric stuff out of him. Of course, we're going to see electric stuff out of Cade Smith too. I mean, there's a dude that can run it up there. And if Cade Smith's got his stuff working, he can be really, really good. Here's the thing when I look at Casey Hunt and I look at Cade Smith, what has gotten them in trouble in the past? It's falling behind 2-0. We always say a 2-0 fastball is completely different than a 0-0 fastball. And that's where I go back to this point about Long Beach State when I look at them offensively because they've got a lot of guys coming back. Boyd was one of their leading hitters last year. Now, they, they lost their top hitter and Cox, their center fielder. He's now in the major leagues You look or minor leagues. You look at, you look at Bond, who was hurt last, long, who was hurt last year against Riverside late in the year. And So you've got a a newcomer in Pepe at third base. You've got a a shortstop that's moving from second base. You've got Sal Devar, who's a freshman, that's going in at second base. You've got a new first baseman, so their infield is almost completely new. You kind of wonder what they're going to be like defensively, but offensively, if you start thinking about Casey Hunt, This is a team in Long Beach last year who was not very good offensively. And Charlie, they were 1.2 as far as fly out to ground out. They put the ball in the air and didn't hit a a lot of home runs. They put the ball in play and they hit a lot of balls in the air. And so it kind of, you know, it's one of those deals. The wind blowing in from left field, just go up there and I'm not saying you know throw strikes right down the pipe, but I I think you can. You don't have to nibble as much, and and then nibbling is what gets you in trouble.
0: Yeah, and, you know, Cade Smith, uh, the Sunday start, did walk 10 guys in 15 innings last year, but he's got electric stuff. He struck out 20. And so, as you say, this may be a game where control is more important than command, if that makes sense. Get it in the strike zone, and you'll feel pretty good. But another guy that just really wasn't stretched out that much last year, he he had some longer stints uh, than Casey Hunt did, but just not as many. Uh, Went three innings against the Citadel and also pitched two innings against Vanderbilt in that, uh, in that loss to open the College Roll Series. But, you know, Cade Smith, a guy, of 15 innings. Uh, Watts Brown, a guy for the beach who uh, hasn't pitched at all. I like Smith. I like him in this role. And, you know, I wasn't sure. There were so many guys that could have plugged into this starting rotation and what I don't know and what is not announced that I think is just the biggest story for the rotation this weekend is who are you planning to back guys with? I feel like Preston Brown, you mentioned him a minute ago, he's going to go where you think you've got to go win a game. Wouldn't surprise me to see him come in behind Sims. If that's a 3-2 ball game, you're up a run.
1: Yeah, Preston Johnson's your guy. I mean, I
0: said Preston Brown. That's Preston okay. Brown's been gone a while.
1: He has. He was, always, he was too studious. He was a Friday night guy at one time, Preston. I miss old Preston. He was a good dude. Here's the thing you've got in the the bullpen. And one of the guys we haven't talked about is Cam Tuller. And he has been really good in the fall. He was good in the spring. We dropped him down a little bit, almost like a Chad Girato. And he's been lights out. He's throwing a Frisbee slider, kind of like Chad did. And so if he can get out right-handed hitters, here's the thing about this weekend when I look at Long Beach State. And, hey, we talked about NC State, and that's kind of what laid our claim to fame about this show, about the deep dig. Everybody came up and said, man, you guys were right. Talking about NC State and running the ball left. This Long Beach State team is heavy right-handed. They only have two left-handed hitters in their projected starting lineup. Chase Luttrell moving from first base to right field. He's going to bat either one, two, or three in that order and Latrell's a left-handed hitter. He's kind of a table-setter for him. He's a left-handed hitter. And then Eddie Saldivar. They, Saldivar could have gone into the draft last year, did not go, came to campus. He's not a big guy at all. He's a left-handed slap guy who's just going to put it in play. I mean, he kind of fits that mold, too. Good second baseman. Mario moves over to shortstop, but only two guys at bat from the left side. So it makes you wonder what it's going to do to Cam Tuller coming out of the bullpen, the left-hander. It kind of makes you wonder about Cone, the left-hander. Walling, who's a left-hander. And does it bring them into play at all? Because you've got so many right-handed hitters in this lineup. And a lot of the guys coming off the bench, a lot of the newcomers for Long Beach State are right-handed hitters.
0: So, yeah, that'll be interesting to take a look at as we get through this weekend. By the way, Bart, while we're taking a look, we're going to be outside and you like being outdoors, don't you?
1: I love being outdoors. Yeah. I'm an
0: outdoor guy. You like making your outdoor experience enjoyable. i tell you, it makes outside fun again.
1: That's our friends at Mosquito Joe. Mosquito Joe, East Mississippi in the Jackson area. Make outside fun again. Porches, covered areas. If you're grilling while watching the game or listening to the game, swimming pools, you're looking for barrier treatment, general pest treatment, fire ants, flea and tick, anything you need as far as getting your outside. Of course, it's about to be mosquito season. It's about to be hot in Mississippi. And, of course, we know where all those skeeters live. It's in damp areas underneath the, the blades of, of your shrubs and things of that nature. But they've got, they can come in and treat it with a barrier treatment or the pest treatment. But they also have those misting systems. I'm building a house right now, and one of the first things I did the other day was I called my good buddy Robert Carlton, Spanky, and said, let me tell you this. We're in the process right now of building the house, building the outdoor patio, and I need a misting system, and those misting systems are fantastic. Now, you can get the synthetic, the regular spray, or you can go all natural. They have a natural spray that they'll put in there, And, and, hey, it does a great job. So, anyway...
0: So you know, by the way, Spanky was in college with me. Was he really? Yeah, I, I knew him as Bob back in the day. You know, now he's Robert. I knew him as Bob, And, of course, uh, also known as Spanky, going back to his younger days. Now that guy, he gets into his baseball. He gets into his football. He does. He's a super fan. And of course, the other owner down there, Dorsey Hardman, great guy. Doesn't he's kind of a fan of that powder blue that you like to wear, Bart. Uh, but you know what? If it's a blanket. See, It's a blanket. If you see our friend Dorsey, tell him how much you appreciate him. Absolutely. Making a good MSU podcast possible.
1: Jackson Metro area, Meridian, the surrounding counties, Golden Triangle, Hattiesburg Laurel, and, of course, the Chamber of Commerce area down in Nataloya. Anytime you need your yard spray, Mosquito Joe's. All right, Charlie, coming into the weekend, if I were to give you a percentage, that Mississippi State wins two out of three this weekend, what would you say the percentages would be? To win two out of three? To win two out of three. 75%. All right, what would you say Mississippi State's chances of sweeping this weekend are? The chances of sweeping, look, I think it's going
0: to be tough. And I still, look, Chris Lamonis would get mad at me if he heard me say this. But it's it's been a long year. And I, I think back to our talk with Pat Casey. You know, it's not going to be like it was the last time they were out on the field. And, you know, there's an adjustment that's got to take place there. And I think we're going to see how that goes. Let's go back to the opening. Look, we had the national champions last year. And let's look back at that season, how it started for us last year. There were many days. Look, we we have both said that we came closer to being swept by Tulane than we did to sweeping them, and we took two out of three.
1: Yeah, two walk-offs in there. You know, you you got shut down by Kent State – and we had some all good- right. Just <laughs> that dude. <laughs> I mean, he's going oh, to be talking about that game for the rest of his life. Oh my gosh! And Braden Oldhall too. He's going to be talking about that game the rest of his life.
0: But you know, so we had um, some games. Look, we had a couple of tough games against Eastern Michigan. You beat them four to one. That dude had a no hitter
1: again on Didn't Sunday. he have a no hitter going to like the eighth inning?
0: Yeah, and what we were doing, we were just murdering their second baseman with ground balls. And so you you kind of look at all those things. Look, man, it's baseball. you got to look at it in a much bigger picture. And this is a very good team. It's a top 25. Now, if you told me right now, I'll give you two out of three and you don't have to play it, I wouldn't take the deal. I want to roll the dice, see if we can sweep the thing. But it's not out of question that we're sitting here on Sunday talking about, hey, the Bulldogs need to win one today to win a series.
1: Okay, i got a good point I want to make in just a second. But first, I want to talk about the Port Ryan Nachos at Two Brothers. Two Brothers on University Drive, right in the heart of the Cot District. It's about to be patio weather. It's going to be close to patio weather this weekend. And if you're coming to the game tomorrow, stop by for lunch early. You've got basketball later tomorrow night. Charlie and I have got a full day. We had women's basketball tonight. We got baseball and men's basketball tomorrow. Then baseball Saturday. And then Matt's here Sunday. Is that right?
0: Yeah, Matt is here Sunday. Here's what I can promise you. What's that? If you go to the Missouri message boards tomorrow, there will be people asking, have these guys ever even read about our basketball team? I don't want to hear that. And the answer is gonna be,
1: "Well, eh, Well, I mean we can, hey we between can Between innings we can study about the fifth inning tomorrow. And so the Port Ryan Nachos, I've been kinda of limiting the carbs. I'm not having gone no carb, I haven't done I'm not doing South Beach, I'm not doing, you know, all the quirky diets. Just kind of watching, you know, but the Port Ryan Nachos are are a go to, man. You know, you you get it, you know, just fully loaded out. It's, I love it. It's good stuff. But here's the thing, Charlie. I like that. Your your diet
0: is I'm just kind of watching. Yeah, uh, just kind of watching. That uh, that's an approach.
1: It, it is. It is. But just I mean, watching
0: them bring out the the loaded cheese fries from. You ever had those at
1: Two Brothers? By the way, I, I've had them a lot. And to be honest with you, I mean, it's tough to say no. There's so many different kinds of tacos that they have. And of course, the pulled pork sandwiches just a great just great food. It's great food, great vibe. Our good friends at Two Brothers, the place to go before or after the game. Hey, late night, it's a bumping place on a Saturday, Friday and Saturday night, Thursday night too. Hey, it's a bumping place. And so, hey, go by and see our great friends at Two Brothers Smoke Meats. It's an awesome place right there on University Drive. Okay, here's what I was going to say. My final thought with this whole deal is no disrespect to Arkansas Pine Bluff on Tuesday. I think this is the weekend that Chris Lamonis is going to burn every bullet he's got. Now... Is it a situation of you're going to throw a guy seven innings? No, we're not doing that. I'm just saying we're not holding anything back. You're wanting to win these these weekends. And the same thing for Long Beach State. This is a big weekend for Long Beach State to come to the SEC defending national champion. This is going to be one of those weekends where you're not holding anything back at all if you're either one of these head coaches. Well,
0: yes, except I would say this. I don't know that Chris Lamonis is going to be very likely to put somebody out there to get them innings. All right.
1: Oh, no, no. Uh, this is all about winning. And this so, weekend is about winning.
0: Yeah, and so when you say burn all the bullets, I, I think what he's going to do is I think the point you're making is not that he's going to throw everybody. It's that he's going to throw everybody who thinks helps him win a ball game but nobody else. This is not going to be the opening weekend. Very likely we're in the seventh. We're getting all the freshmen in.
1: No, it's not. This is not a game where you're sitting there going on Sunday. Hey, I've got a guy that I've got in the back of my mind that could start Tuesday night. I'm not going to use him today. No, you're going to use every everybody you got that can help you win. This is a big weekend. Last year, that first weekend, winning against Texas and then winning against Texas Tech was big for this team. And what did we say when it got down to? Who hosts and whatnot. We were still talking about that opening weekend of winning non-conference games out in Arlington. And so this is a big weekend for Mississippi State and Long Beach State. Hey, Charlie, I enjoyed this, man. All right,
0: Bart, we've talked about pitching. We've talked about Long Beach State. Uh, real quick, let's talk about – just tell me this. What position player for Long Beach State are you most interested
1: to see? I think it's going to be the second baseman, Saldivar, just because he's a true freshman playing out at second base. Tremendous upside. They talk so much about him and the offseason he's had. But still, being a true freshman, coming in, playing your first game in front of a big crowd, with a ground ball pitcher and a team that hits ground balls and a a team that may hit some hard ground balls, knowing that, hey, I'm not going to go out there and put my hand in my pocket, that I'm probably going to have to make some plays. It's going to be interesting to see what he does.
0: The guy that I think we're going to be talking about is Rocco Pepe.
1: The third third baseman.
0: baseman, and if you read about the guy, basically what they say is he kind of plays like his name. He's he's a little bit he's a little bit out there. Okay, he's a little brash. He missed last year because of an injury. So, but I think Pepe is one of those guys I'm going to be interested to see. Uh, you just wonder kind of that guy that brings that big attitude and the swagger. Uh, he'll he'll get some attention uh, if he's not careful. But the other thing is you look at this roster there's a mix you've got guys who've been around you've got fourth year sophomores fourth year juniors and then you got some of these younger guys i think it's going to be an interesting mix of the team we're playing i think they they pitch it well they defend it well and uh look there's a lot of other guys we could have talked about in the bullpen um but this is a this is a good baseball team
1: okay from from our standpoint from a position standpoint tell me if i'm wrong on anything Kellum Clark in right field, Brad Cummins in left field. What are you thinking in center field? Skinner?
0: I think so. I think Skinner's probably your guy out there from from just kind of watching the lineups they've been playing with lately. I think there's two questions about the outfield this year. Can your center fielder hit, and can your right fielder defend?
1: True that. Okay, on the infield, Cam James at third shortstop, four-side, second base, R.J. Yeager, first base. Haven't seen him a whole lot in, in the preseason camp, but you got to think Luke Hancock's going to be your first baseman.
0: Yeah, you know, they've been catching him an awful lot. But yeah, I go back to something I said earlier. I think it's harder to get ready to play catcher than it is to play first base. Somebody is going to have to be ready in case Logan Tanner goes down or gets nicked up. So, And look, just on some Tuesday games, my best guess is we're going to see Hancock at first, three games this weekend, and then they catch him on Tuesday.
1: If he catches on Tuesday, who are you playing at first base? Hunter Hines? Hunter Hines. Is Hunter Hines your DH against the right-handed pitching?
0: I think so, man. There's been a lot of good talk about him. Although, I'll tell you the other guy to watch out for is uh, the outfielder, Quarter. I think Matt Quarter. you know, he's been hurt a little bit, kind of just getting back up, but all the vibe about Quarter is, that guy's not going to sit on the bench quietly. He ain't going to make it easy on him to keep him out of the lineup. And so, I wonder if we see him a little bit this weekend too.
1: Yeah, didn't play in the fall, but he's had a really good spring. And, of course, Logan Tanner behind the plate. A couple other freshmen will look good. Offers look good at Slate third. Alford, Slate yeah. Offers, Offers look really good at third. Aaron
0: Downs has been good in the spring. Wasn't terribly good in the fall, but it's been good in the spring.
1: Could you see, and we've talked about this a little bit, if it's a situation of if you had difficulties hitting in center field, do you move Cam James out to center? He's practiced there some to bring an in offered into the lineup?
0: I think that's possible. And, then, and yeah. that's not a knock on Cameron James.
1: No, that, not that at is
0: all. A, um, you know, for all the talk about Cameron James defensively, he was really good at the end of the year. He really was.
1: You go back look at the highlights of the College World Series, that guy made some plays. Aaron Downs has been good in the in the fall in the spring. Had a tough fall. Has been good in the spring, and then uh, yeah, we've got a number of guys who've who've been pretty good. So man, and they'll start
0: working those guys in. I don't think you'll see a ton of it this week, but I man, I just get the feeling Hunter Hines is going to play early and often for this team.
1: Yep. Hey, I'm looking forward to it. It's hard to believe baseball's here. Good weekend to get it started too.
0: Man, absolutely, and a good opponent. So here's here's the one thing I'd say. If you win all three, feel good. Well, you if feel you, great. If, yeah, feel outstanding. You win two out of three, be happy. Oh, and, yeah.
1: And if you don't win two out of three, don't panic. Well, that's what I was about to say. You could lose two out of three this weekend. I mean, uh, and uh, maybe this is glass, glass half empty, Bart. But I thought your percentage was really high winning two out of three. See, I was going to go fifty-five percent instead of seventy-five percent.
0: Oh no, no, no! We're going to win two out of three. We're not going to lose the series.
1: Okay, but I'm telling you, if it happens, don't don't fall off the train here. Okay, I need you to come in here Sunday, coffee, ready to roll.
0: Yeah, I, I do think there is a fairly high probability that I'm sitting here on Sunday saying we need to go get a win today because we have to win a series.
1: Do you feel like almost like the Notre Dame game, Notre Dame series, where we have a better chance? Absolutely, the Sunday game than the Saturday. I do, I kind of do too.
0: Yeah, and that's not to say I don't like our chances on Saturday. It's just kind of how
1: it plays out.
0: But I think I just have to believe and how many times have I been wrong about this? I just have to believe that a guy who's never pitched in college taking the mound on a Sunday trying to win a series.
1: Hmm, if you're wrong, I'll let you know. I'm don't.
0: sure you will.
1: Hey, thanks to our great sponsors, Farm Bureau, Go With the Home Team, Tracks Plus, this is our deep dig conversation. Our good friends at Mosquito Joe's of East Central Mississippi, then in Jackson, Mississippi, and then our good friends at Two Brothers Smoke Meats on University Drive.
0: Yeah, and no two-minute drill on on this show. And you know why that is, Bart.
1: Because there's no two-minute drill. There's no thing. two
0: minutes. You can't run out the clock in baseball. Sooner or later, you've got to serve it up there and record the outs. So, I think we've recorded all the outs we will here tonight. So, hey, tomorrow, right back at it. And uh, looking forward to it. Hey, thanks for hanging out. We'll be back Sunday morning. And I am going to be happy on Sunday. Because we're going to have a pair of wins.